And every once in a while, somebody will say to me, so you know, I prayed and I didn't get an answer. And I'm always hesitant about answering those questions right away. I, I tell our congregation here at Woodland often that God answers prayers one in three ways. One, he says, yes, no, wait. And then sometimes I'll add, you've got to be kidding me. In other words, what we've asked is kind of outside the will of God. But God always answers prayer. It may not be the answer that we want, but God always answers prayer. Remember those three things, yes. No, sometimes it's wait. I've had to wait sometimes quite a long time on the answer to the prayer that I was praying about. But faith never gives up. The great stories of faith, and you can get kind of a synopsis of those in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, are about people who believed God even though it took a long time to see their prayers answered. Because God is more concerned about what He's doing in you than He is in answering those prayers. Sometimes the person that you're praying for, God is more concerned about what He's doing in them. He's more interested in that, what He's doing in you or doing in them during that time of prayer. There have been many, many things that I prayed about for our congregation here at Woodland. And in praying for the congregation, I have sometimes grown weary or impatient and saying, how long, Lord? And I've always had that sense of witness in my spirit. Trust me, son. Trust me, I'm working in you, I'm working in the church, I'm working in the community. But one of the other important factors of prayer to understand is that we pray biblically informed prayers. And what I mean by a biblically informed prayer, we're praying according to the will of God, we're praying promises from the Word of God, and so it's even more important now than ever that we know our Bibles and that we're reading our Bibles carefully and we're studying the Word of God. I know that many of you are concerned about the course of the nation right now. Well, I would go through and I would look at the promises to a people who pray. I would look at to the promises to a people who repent. I would look at promises that God makes to people who are willing to wait upon Him and not rush ahead. Sometimes it's important, especially in a time like this that we're going through, to also look ahead and to say, what does God say about me personally? Should I repent? Should I? Have I attitudes or things that are not pleasing to the Lord? Am I saying things that are not pleasing to the Lord? Years and years ago, back in the 90s, we had a president that I was just absolutely disgusted with his behavior and some of the things that he had done. And I remember I was preaching in the great state of Virginia that night, and after I had just kind of said some things about the current president at the time, you know, the congregation exploded in applause, people were agreeing with me, and I um, was just didn't think anything more about it. I, what I said was true, it's how I felt, what I said was true about what his actions were, but I didn't say it with grace, I didn't say it with understanding. And so after the service that night, the pastor pulled me aside. He was an elderly man, older than I am now. And he pulled me aside, and you know, he did me a favor. He confronted me with my bitterness. He confronted me with my anger. But he also confronted me with an unforgiving spirit. What I said wasn't wrong. It was how I said what I said. What the president had done was evil and was wrong. But it's how I said it and how I did it. And he was kind enough not to rebuke me in front of the congregation, but to pull me to the side 
and to deal with me as a father deals with a son. And I've never forgotten that lesson. I've never forgotten that at all because there are times when political leaders, whether they're congressmen or senators or governors or presidents, they're going to do things that we don't like or they're going to do things that perhaps the Bible says is sin. But we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the very way we would point our fingers at them, we're also condemning ourselves according to the book of Romans. So it's much better for you and I to confront with compassion, to confront with love, to confront with strength. I mean, we have to have the strength of our convictions, but it's much better rather than complain and gripe, be bitter, and if you'll pardon me, I'm going to say this, bellyache. It's much better for you and I to call upon the name of the Lord in prayer, but to pray in faith. That's important. When you pray, believe God is going to answer your prayer. It may be yes. It may be no. It may be wait. If you pray outside of the word of God, it's going to be, you got to be kidding me. And I mean, that's just my way of saying it, you know, but The fact of the matter is, God says to you and I, we must be a people of prayer. Call upon the name of the Lord. Look at this passage of Scripture with me from 2 Kings chapter 19 tonight. I have heard your prayer about King Sennacherib of Israel. Let me see if I can give you a little background. An invading army from Assyria was about to overwhelm Jerusalem, was about to tear the walls, conquer the city. And the king and his people, they humbled themselves and they began to pray. And God heard the prayers of their people in face of an overwhelming, in face of an overwhelming army, an overwhelming enemy. Everything looked lost. Everything looked hopeless because they were hemmed in. They could not get out. And they knew eventually that the siege that Sennacherib's army had laid against Jerusalem would be successful. And God heard the prayers of his people. God heard the prayers of a king that led them in prayer. And God not only answered their prayer, but God delivered and defeated that army. Beloved, tonight you must pray in faith. Look at what the apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. And friends, this is so important. God watches over you and I as we do right. When I'm complaining and griping, if I sin with my mouth, if I, if I gossip and I'm bitter, if I try to pull down rather than, than just honestly, you know, disagree, but disagree with an agreeable spirit. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Occasionally I've had to pull somebody out of a meeting and say, look, you're free to disagree, but you're not free to be disagreeable. You're free to come in and disagree, but you cannot come in and bring a div- divisive and disagreeable spirit. I won't allow that in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, we can confront sin without sinning ourselves. You know, and we also confront with compassion because we know that there but for the grace of God go you and I. And so I'd like you to look at this next passage of Scripture, if you would, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12. I love this name of this man. Epaphras. When I hear the name of Epaphras, and there are certain people in the congregations, I know that in this congregation, I know that they're an Epaphras in my life. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. 
<coughs> pardon me, he always prays, <coughs> he always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully comp- confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Heropolis. Friends, that's the kind of man I want to be. That's the kind of pastor that I want to be for this congregation, for my community, for my state, for my nation, for my family. Friends, tonight we must be people who are praying constantly. We're praying hard. We're praying faithfully. I love the old King James Version, the way it says he wrestled in prayer. In other words, he wrestled down those problems. He pressed down the gates of hell. He pushed against the powers of darkness in prayer. That does more than all the complaining and all the griping and all the finger pointing. There have been a lot of people trying to grandstand on either side of the political spectrum. Sometimes there are people that try to grandstand in a family disagreement. Sometimes there are people that try to grandstand upon a company disagreement, and they make a big deal trying to, to, to divide, because if you can divide, you can conquer. But instead, Epaphras, he got down on his knees, and he prayed, and he interceded. And I love what, how Paul describes him, a member of your own fellowship. Would to God that this church was filled with men and women like Epaphras that were servants of Christ and always prayed earnestly, asking God to make us strong and fully perfect or completing what God has called us to do. So I asked myself this question today. Why don't people pray more? Yes, that's a good question. That's a good question for me to ask myself. It's a good question for you to ask yourself tonight. Why don't you pray more? And I mean, not just, let's not just make it other people, but let's begin right here with our own hearts. Why don't we pray more? And why don't people pray for national, global, local issues? Why don't we get on our faces and pray? I often remember back fondly to the days, to the service that we had after 9-11 when we just opened up the doors of our church and this place was filled, this sanctuary was filled with people who come to seek the face of the Lord and come and sought the Lord. I think one of the issues that people don't pray anymore is because of passivity. They just simply, you know, they're just passive. They, they have become to a place in their life where they're no longer disciplining themselves to have a daily time of prayer. They're no longer taking the time to kneel in the presence of God and seek His face. They just kind of go through life, you know, maybe in their hearts thinking prayer is a nice thing to do, but they don't understand the urgency of prayer, so they become passive about prayer. You know, if I become passive about my health, I don't believe I'll live very long. If I become passive about my marriage, my marriage is going to suffer. I take my marriage for granted, or I take my health for granted, or I take my church, or my community, or my city, my state, my nation. And I think for many, perhaps we've taken the kingdom of God for granted. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven suffers much violence and the violent take it by force. Horatio Benar, a great Scottish pastor and preacher of the Puritan days, says this, I have never come to a time of prayer, but that has been with a struggle. 
I have never come to a time of prayer, but it's been with a struggle. There are days I can just honestly say to you, today was one of those days. My time of prayer was so rewarding and so refreshing to come, my personal time of prayer, to come into the presence of the Lord and to bring the needs of my family and my children and my grandchildren. Then later to come before the Lord and bring the needs of our congregation and some of those who were with a heavy heart. We, we have a lady today that's just been diagnosed with inoperable cancer. There are people with the COVID virus. And, and as I come, it maybe was not as refreshing, but as I sought the Lord, he gave me strength and I left that time refreshed. And I believe I'm touching heaven for them as I pray. And then there was the prayer about the national issues that we're facing. And then later today, a time of prayer. And I'm, I'm not boasting about my prayer, but you see, prayer just takes place throughout the day. When I got an email from one of our missionaries today that we've been supporting from here at Woodland, and they're getting into one of those untouched countries, unreached countries, and, and now they're there to God be the glory. You see, we work together as we pray. So I beg of you tonight, during this crucial season in our church's history, during the COVID crisis, during our nation's history, and for the world, don't be passive in prayer. Horatio Bernard was known as a great man of prayer, but if his own honest recollection was that it's never been without a struggle, then let's you and I Understand, we may struggle as well. Number two, I think one of the reasons people don't pray is because they just neglect to. They get busy. Maybe they, they sleep past the time they should get up for prayer, or maybe they, they come to the end of the day and they're too tired and they lay down. But your children need your prayer. Your marriage needs your prayer. Your pastor needs your prayer. I think the third reason that people don't pray are feelings of unworthiness, like who am I to come before the Lord? And I've had so many conversations with people like that. And they said, Pastor, who am I to ask God? And we focused upon our past life. We focused upon our sins rather than focus upon the mercy and the grace of God. Never forget that Jesus was crucified between two thieves. And one thief recognized his unworthiness. And he said, Lord, have mercy upon me. And Jesus heard him and answered his prayer. And that very day he was with Christ in paradise. It's not a matter of whether I'm worthy or whether you're worthy. Get off of that train. It's a matter that Christ is worthy and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. One day, Jesus in Luke chapter 18, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show they should always pray and never give up. Always pray. I want to tell you something. There have been some prayer requests that I have prayed for over 10 years. God answered that prayer. That's been a prayer that I prayed that God says, wait. There are some prayers that I prayed for over 20 years, and God said, wait, but God answered that prayer. You ought to always pray and never give up. As a matter of fact, I would say to you tonight, watch less news this year. Watch less media, whether it's Fox or NBC or CBS or CNN, whatever you're watching, determine to set a hard time limit on how much news you're going to consume and begin to determine now you're going to begin to consume more of the Word of the Lord and spend more time in prayer. And I know you've heard that before, but I'm telling you, friends, the news will lead you to complaint, not information, but lead you to complaint. 
complaint because most of the news that appears today is people giving their opinions. What we need is an old-fashioned revival of prayer and humble repentance in our nation again. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2 with me. Paul is writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Notice that, all people. Ask God to help them. Help who? All people. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. Give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and integrity excuse me, dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone, remember that all people? He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God, one mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave us life to purchase freedom for everyone. And this is the message that God gave to the world at just the right time. And then Paul goes on to write, and I have been chosen as a preacher and an apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. That's you and that's me. What is this message of truth? The message that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins and raised again on the third day. And one day he's coming back. And in the meantime, he has sent us Holy Spirit to inhabit our lives. And he baptizes us in his spirit and empowers us to pray in ways that we would have never been able to pray before. Beloved, hear me this evening. God's word is for you just like it was for that early church and just like it was for the people of Israel. And then notice, I, I, for some reason, Paul just felt like he needed to go ahead and say this. I have been chosen as a preacher and an apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. I'm not exaggerating, just telling the truth. Don't you love that? None of these promises are exaggerations. This is the word of God. And when we pray, it makes a difference. So this passage teaches me very quickly tonight. I have to go through them real quickly. This passage teaches me your prayers are crucial. By that, I mean your prayers are vital. Your prayers are necessary. It's not just the pastor's prayer here at the church, but it's your prayers and my prayers together. It's the prayers of churches gathering together to pray. Number two, pray with a global vision this evening. Pray for our missionaries. Pray for the nations of the world. When you inform yourself with news and you don't listen to all the complaints, if you hear about an outbreak of the COVID virus in Europe, Europe, pray for that country in Europe. If you don't know a missionary that you want to pray for in that country, contact us here at the church and we'll give you the name of a missionary and help you get on their mailing list so you can pray for them. Uh, if you, you, you hear about a city that's having a, a riot, pray for that city, pray for the leaders, pray for the pastors in that community to have the wisdom to know what to do. There was a crucial time back in the 80s when I was pastoring a small church down in Georgia. There was something that happened that shook our nation. And our church was at the forefront of some other churches. As we spent that time in prayer together, asking God to do a revival and to bring revival, and I'm telling you, God answered that prayer. I remember a night when I was a youth pastor, when our students decided we would agree together and we would fast and pray. The crucial prayers of those young people resulted in campus-wide revivals on three separate campuses. Number three, recognize there's only one mediator, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. 
I got a call this week from someone, and um, I returned the call to them, and they were a little bit confused, and they just said to me, basically naming some religions, then God's the same. And I said, oh, no. No, 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 no. And I don't mean this with any disrespect towards anyone else, but I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. There's only one way to God the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. He is the mediator. He's the one that paid the debt for your sins and my sins. Number four, as you pray for lost people, understand that God wants everyone to be saved, but he also wants them to understand the truth. And how can they understand the truth if you and I don't share it with them? It's why I ask you to share this prayer service tonight with your friends. In other words, you know, if you listen to our daily prayer update that Becky and I made earlier today, I ask you to share this tonight because how are people going to understand the gospel unless you and I take time to build relationships with them, unless you and I take time to talk to them? And we can help them and we can partner even more together by sharing our online services or inviting people to come worship with us. I had a wonderful example of that happen this past year during COVID crisis of being able to share the gospel with someone who committed their life to Christ and before they slipped into eternity, young man, before he slipped into eternity because he, he died before the year was over, I know he went into the arms of Jesus Christ. God wants everyone to be saved, but they need to understand the truth of who Jesus is. Number five, faith is an act of obedience. Faith is an act of obedience. When your child obeys you, they're showing faith in you. When your child tell, you tell your child to do something and your child does it with a cheerful heart, then that child is really maturing and delighting in you and showing faith in you. You see, when we are obedient, when, when an employee is, is obedient to their boss and they're doing their job well, they're excelling in their job, they're trying to be a profitable servant to their employer, they're trying to be someone that not only is profitable to, their, to the one who's hired them for the job, but they're also trying to make their employer look good by what they do. We've all had experiences with that in restaurants and hotels and stores or businesses that we've traded with. We never want to go back to the place where somebody just kind of did what they had to do, or they did it with an attitude, or somehow or another they did it begrudgingly, or they did a poor job. All you got to do is go on to Yelp, and you'll find out all kinds of places of business where the employees, you know, they're not serving their masters with gladness. They're not serving their employers with gladness. Friends, I submit to you this evening that if we get a hold of this thing right, then you and I will understand that faith is an act of joyful obedience. The, the, the Chick-fil-A chicken restaurant, and, you know, I love Chick-fil-A. We teasingly call it God's chicken up here. But um, I will, never will forget John Maxwell telling a story about going with one of the Truett's and they went to open up a new Chick-fil-A, and because they weren't ready to start cooking yet, they were in there putting the finishing touches, and, and he and John went across the street to another hamburger restaurant. And he went in with, they both went into the bathroom, and when Mr. Truett washed his hands, when he washed his hands, he took the paper towel, and he dried the counter, he dried the faucets of the sink, he cleaned it up, and then he got rid of his paper towel. And John looked at him and he says, do you always do that? He says, everywhere I go. He says, it's how I want my employees to do the restaurants they visit. It's how I want people to, to live and behave, to clean up after themselves. 
Friends, to me, that was a model of, of someone who lives out the very things that they ask you and I to do. And Jesus lived it out. Listen, Jesus learned the things that he learned because he learned through the suffering according to the book of Hebrews. Jesus forgave his enemies. Jesus was the one who prayed all night. Jesus was the one who sought the Lord. Jesus lived this out. He is the model of faithful obedience. And then number six, and I think this is so important, peaceful liberty is dependent upon prayer. Peaceful liberty is dependent upon prayer. God, in, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, God made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I don't know how else to say this, but the peace that we want to see happen in our nation, the peace that we want to see come about in our country, I don't believe it's dependent upon the Republicans and the Democrats or the Independents or the Green Party or anybody else. I believe it's dependent right now upon whether the church is going to pray. A friend of mine who did youth camps for me when I was the state youth director for Georgia for the Assemblies of God, he used to do a skit. And in the skit, he pictured an angel like at a Star Trek board or a Star Wars board. And he's trying to help the Christians down on earth. And, and they're not praying. And finally, this one Christian just, he loses his faith and he collapses. And the angel is going, Christian, why won't you pray all the resources of heaven are available to you if you pray. You see, if we're passive, we don't see that. If we neglect it, we don't see that. Friends, I can't tell you how much tonight I believe that God is willing to pour out his spirit and to revive our nation again if only his people will humble themselves and pray. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 34. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And you might be going, wow, those are contradictory statements, aren't they? No, they're not conflicting at all. Because what Jesus is making clear is, number one, this. He didn't come to bring the sword of military might or power. That's not what he's doing. What Jesus is doing is saying that the sword of his word, it cuts and divides between righteousness and unrighteousness. The Bible says that the, that the, the word of the Lord is like a sharp two-edged sword. It cuts between our self-will and what God wants to do in our life. But the sword of the word will also confront and defeat the powers of darkness. So, Remember that story I told you about in Virginia, the older pastor pulling me aside and confronting me and teaching me? I learned from that. He taught me, son, you can do so much more by praying the word. You can do so much more by modeling the word. Anybody can stir up a crowd to agree with them, but it takes a man or a woman of faith to stand in the word and to confront the powers of darkness. Satan delights in our complaining. Satan delights in our bickering. Satan delights in our belly aching, but he cannot handle the word of God. When Jesus defeated him in the wilderness, he took the word of the Lord. It was the sword of the Spirit, and he just put it right through the belly of the devil. And the Bible says, finally, the devil left him to a more opportune time. I'm telling you, when you believe the word, when you live the word, when you speak the word, when you pray the word, you're going to be much more powerful in pulling down the strongholds of the enemy than you ever will be sitting around with a bunch of people complaining. It's so important that we learn to pray. Well, let me go through these last few real quickly here. Number one, pray for our leaders. Uh, 
and not just for our national leaders, but you know, pray for your local leaders. Pray for your mayor. Pray for your city council. Pray for your county. Pray for your county's leaders. Pray for your representatives there. I thank God for the leaders that I've met, not only here in Brownstown and Woodhaven and, and, and Trenton, but I thank God for the leaders that I have met in Flat Rock, in Wayne County. I'm so thankful for them. I'm thankful for uh, the governor who's, who asked me to, to be a part of something with her because of what she, we don't agree on a lot of things, but we agree on some very important things. And I find out, friends, if we can find those areas where we agree and we pray for our leaders, God will open doors of influence for us. Number two, pray for our neighbors. Your subdivision, just like my subdivision, needs God. When I look at the children, when I look at the elderly people in my subdivision, when I look at people from other countries who can't even speak my language, who can't speak English, and yet they're here in our nation, and they live in my subdivision. I, I know this summer when I would be out exercising, there was this one man that can't speak any English, and at first when I would see him, he would, he would just kind of look down, but I just kept speaking, and everybody understands a smile, and I would pray for him every time. And it wasn't long before he would see me, he would throw up his hands and he would smile, and sometimes he would stop and try to talk to me. Friends, pray for your neighbors. Number nine, pray for the order of government freedom that makes life livable, peaceful, and happy. Pray for the order of governmental freedom. Now, I don't have much time, but let me explain what I mean here. We cannot afford to fall into chaos. We cannot afford to fall into anarchy. God gives us government for a reason. God raises up leaders. God takes down leaders. But good government makes life not only livable, but makes life peaceable, and it also makes for a happy life. And that's what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, that we may live lives of godliness and dignity, that we can live happy and joyful lives. And then number 10 tonight, you have the responsibility and the delegated power from God to pray with passion. Oh, friend, if you just knew, if you just knew, God has delegated power to you. God has delegated responsibility to you. Think about it like this. There's a police officer, maybe when the traffic light goes out, and he has the authority to hold up his hand and stop the traffic. I've, I've seen this happen right here in our community before. Traffic light's gone out. And because we have governmental authority, people respect the traffic officer. And he holds up his hands, the traffic stops. But if some idiot came through there and says, I'm not going to obey him, he has the ability with his car to plow or run over or run through what the officer's trying to do. Unlike that traffic cop, you and I not only have the delegated responsibility, but we have the power of God to rebuke the enemy and to rebuke the powers of darkness. You saw the Apostle Paul do it in the Scriptures. Let you and I seize that opportunity. And so here are 10 points that I hope will help you from 1 Timothy chapter 2 tonight. And look at what God says about this kind of prayer. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior. Join me in prayer tonight, would you? Heavenly Father, I love you so much, and I thank you for this day, and I thank you that this could be 
Lord, as one statesman said, that it could be a nation's finest hour. This could be the church's finest hour, Lord, if we'll simply humble ourselves before you and kneel and pray. Lord, we pray not only for our church, we pray not only, Lord, for and wrestle in prayer for one another, but we pray for our community, our state, and our nation. And I thank you, and I pray you'll make these words vivid in the heart of every person listening tonight. Amen. Thank you so much for joining me for this midweek Bible study. I love you. I hope you're going to be here Sunday. I can't wait to see you. And by the way, please remember to be faithful with your tithes and with your offerings. You heard me speaking about missions tonight. Please remember your missions giving as well. It would be so appreciated. And there are three ways you can give on the screen right now. You can text 77977, keyword Woodland Church. You can go to our website and click give, or you can download our app. And as always, you can mail a check or give when you're here at the church. I love you so much. I can't wait to see you Saturday night for our prayer service at 630. Excuse me, at 6 o'clock. God bless you.